Sanabe Ruajwa lived an imprisoned life for 15 years. She was not in an official prison. She lived in her own home, a house built by her husband. He built the house in a somewhat remote area of India, and the house had no exterior windows. Sanabai could not see what was outside her house, nor could she see beyond it. No one was allowed to visit, and Sanabai was not allowed out of the house. For 15 years, she spoke only to her husband and her son, who also lived in that house for 15 years. Inside the house structure, in the interior part was a courtyard with an open space to the sky and a well. Sanabai scraped clay from the top and the sides of the well and used it to sculpture. She made elaborate lattice work between the courtyard and the walkway, and I mean huge lattice work between the columns that supported the overhang. And she, there are pictures of corners um, where she made cur- beautiful curved lattice with spokes going in to a center figure that she has sculpted from this clay. The figures are painted in colorful hues, and um, they're animals and other figures of all, all shapes. I saw some of her work at an exhibit three years after her death. Looking at her work and knowing her story, it seemed that she was overcome by a sense of longing, a desire to connect in the ways that she, in the only way, really, that she could. And she took what she had to create beauty, to make a creative life, to honor her own creative process. There are no less than six books, maybe more than six books, on my bookshelves that have to do with creativity. I just ordered another one that will arrive this week. (laughs) Oh, my friends, how I long to offer you some transformative word about creativity, some life-altering experience that allows you to see something in a new way, um, reveals empowered choices, gives you sweeping clarity, opens your chakras, expands your aura, and helps you access your own creativity and channel it in a new and different and beautiful way. But alas, the worship theme this month is my multi-year struggle. That longing to be unboundedly creative, to say I am an artist and not have to add at heart. I am an artist at heart. I'm an artist at heart. That's what I say. I'm an artist at heart. Now, I say these things not so that you can come up to me and reassure me that I am an artist after all, but because 
what I have experienced through the years may resonate with you, and we can just find ourselves as kindred spirits. And maybe an understanding of ourselves as co-creators. The warning today is that we may not get to it all, so make sure you are here for Creativity Part 2 on May 20th. Maybe you can listen to the, the podcast. Several years ago, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist Way, Crossed My Path. It offers as its subtitle, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity. It improved my life. But my point here is that most of the books I have read about creativity automatically assume some sort of spiritual connection, a sort of spirituality. They name creativity often as a longing for God. René Descartes wrote, For the human mind has within it a sort of spark of the divine in which the first seeds of useful ways of thinking are sown. Seeds which, however neglected and stifled by studies which impede them, often bear fruit of their own accord. A spark of the divine. That comes up a lot, too. Creativity or the desire for it as a longing for God. Whatever that may look like, whatever God that may be, what, whether or not we even actually believe in God, Julia, Julia Cameron describes God as G-O-D, good, orderly direction, she says. Though we may name it differently or uncertainly name it, this desire to create is a longing for some sort of spiritual connection and expression. A way to get out what is trapped inside and to break loose from those bonds that keep us from our true and full potential. A way to connect with the deepest parts of ourselves. To form an intimacy with ourselves And with all that is. A connection with others and the planet. This desire, this longing, is a longing to belong. To know that we have a place. And to know where and what that place is. That place where we know we matter. A community we create together. And belong to. Years ago, and perhaps this still occurs, there were radio and TV programs that would, for a fee, send you a prayer cloth in the mail. This actually has some biblical basis and is found in more than one religious tradition, not just the Christian tradition. But the Christian evangelical idea is that you send in your money and your prayer request and the televangelist sends you back a cloth that's in the mail that's been prayed over um, or infused in some way with a holy power that helps you have a positive outcome for whatever your prayer is. I think that I, that's my understanding of it anyway. 
Um, last week, I began my sermon with a Rilke quote that was published after his death. It was um, in a collection called Letters to a Young Poet. And today I want to share with you a letter to a young artist. I found it in a collection of quotes and stories. It was written by a friend and mentor to an artist at heart when she was struggling with wanting to be an artist but finding herself blocked and frustrated and not quite able to tap into that thing that um, she felt she should be able to tap into in order to live this out. Here's what he wrote. Dear Maggie, what does the artist do? She helps you to see color, form, to cry, to laugh, to find deeper meaning. She uses story, ideas, imagination, words, movement to show depth, connections, contrast. She helps you understand yourself. Get outside yourself. See from a new vantage point. I like Picasso and Alice Walker. Neither move me like you do. Love, Bob. And Maggie writes back to him. Dear Bob, receiving your letter was like sending away for one of those prayer cloths. And when it came, it really worked. Love, Maggie. Creativity is a gift that we are all given. We are all artists. We may not all have a desire to use it or tap into it. But what if we did? What if we recognize that we all have this gift at our disposal and we have a way out of being trapped in our own house? We must recognize that even if we don't utilize it to its fullest, it is still essential to our own faith formation. Creativity is essential to nurturing our own spirituality. Because creativity helps us expand who we are, who we think ourselves to be. And creativity helps us develop our gifts and our path of contribution to this beautiful and broken world. Maybe what we really want is for that creative process to be easier. Easier to learn, easier to do, not so much struggle. Maybe you can relate. Maybe those of you who... um, Write music, or (laughs) I just saw, tell me about it. (laughs) Um, um, Maybe those of you who, who do visual arts, who paint or draw or sculpt clay or make hats or try to create a world where that connection to the earth becomes so important that we're willing to do whatever we can to save it. Perhaps those of you who have offered sermons here can relate to this. I would like for the creative process of sermon writing to be easier. I have to admit it. 
I explained this to a minister colleague of mine. I was actually complaining. We knew each other before we started seminary, but she's a few years ahead of me in the process and a good friend. And when I got through with my little run-on sentences, she just stared at me. For a really long time. Mm Mm-hmm, she finally said. Mm Mm-hmm. But it isn't easy. It's a labor of love. That's why they call it birthing the sermon. The only cure for an unwritten sermon, she said, is your butt in the chair. (laughs) Writing, she added. It's true. Well, okay, so I want it to be easier, but it isn't. Some of you know that I'm taking an art class. I'm a beginner, but it's not a beginner's class. So I'm learning a great deal about seeing something with my eye, but not knowing how to transfer that to the paper. I'm learning a lot about perspective and humility. Still, it would be nice if it came a little more easily. But here is what I have also experienced. I've experienced a practice of creativity leading to a greater spiritual connection and also having that greater spiritual connection lead to more creativity. I spent two weeks once spending ten minutes each day devoted to some sort of art. And for almost two weeks... I spent 10 minutes each day ripping pieces of handmade paper and gluing those pieces to a different paper. I was happy with the end result. I didn't have anything in mind when I started. But I was happy with the end result. But the end result wasn't really what mattered. What I noticed during those two weeks was how easily ideas came to me all during the day, about all kinds of things. Solutions to problems, creative programming ideas, a longing for the holy relationships in my life, and the ability to create them. What if we do what Sonabai Braajwa did and take our broken hearts and make art? What if we recognized what Sonabai recognized, that we cannot experience ourselves as the gift that we are until we're engaged in the act of creating something. In spite of being held prisoner in her own home, she recognized the gift that she was to the world, to creation itself, and she engaged in creating it. American philosopher and the theologian Henry Nelson Wyman says that there's no distinction between God and creativity. In fact, he says that the creative process, the creative event, is God. And that God is the creative process. Wyman is not claiming that there is a being out there named God that we need to connect with. 
that being that creates creative transformation or causes creative transformation. He says that our creative transformation, what happens within us and between us and among us, the growth of meaning and value and good in the world, that that is God. It is in us and it is us. What if we are divine creativity? To be continued. Blessed be and amen.